Welcome to Renovate, the young adult ministry of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We are for all young adults. Whether you're far from God or walking close to Him, we believe that our God fully knows us and fully loves us. So instead of leaving us as He finds us, He is constantly and graciously renovating our lives so we can look more like Him. Enjoy this week's message. team. Well, good evening. How are you doing? Pretty good. All right. Let's go uh, Mark chapter 1. Uh, Mark chapter 1. We'll be uh, jumping around a little bit tonight, but we'll be starting off there. Uh, so we are in uh, the second week of a series uh, about kind of how to discern the will of God, how to kind of understand God's will, and specifically, how do we how do we grow in our ability to listen and try to kind of discern what God's voice sounds like for our lives? And I've been really excited about the series because I think that we can kind of easily become obsessed with uh, the will of God. And I think oftentimes the reason why we're easily obsessed is because there's something rather unsettling when we know that someone knows really important information about our future that we don't know, right? Like, like, Like that's an unsettling feeling. I got to see uh, this play out uniquely when I was uh, in the process of proposing to my wife. Um, I am an unapologetic, hopeless romantic. So when it came time <clears throat> for us to, uh, to get engaged, I was like, I'm going to go big. Like, I'm going to go as big as I possibly can. And so I kind of planned this whole thing in Austin and a party afterwards. And so I'm trying to figure out how logistically how to, like, pull this thing off without her finding out and getting her family out there and her friends out there. And so as word kind of begins to spread, uh, this kind of like random friend of a friend of one of Haley's friends hears that the proposal is coming down the line and she tells one of Haley's friends. And I don't know exactly um, why uh, this sweet girl thought this would be a good idea to talk about, but she texts Haley and says, hey, why haven't you told me about your engagement? Right? To which Haley goes, well, um, it's because I didn't know about my engagement uh, until right now. And so all of a sudden, I mean, Haley knew in general, like it was going to happen. But now there was this kind of weird kind of looming thing where all of a sudden the, the, the joy of the surprise was kind of gone. And so and, and I was like way ahead of the game. So there's still like two months before like she even sees a ring. And so all of a sudden, like every date night, I was kind of like, I don't know, is this the night? Like, is this it? Right. And like, I'm not helping. I'm like tying my shoe at every date night. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, and like, there's, you know, all these things, like I'm not helping at all. And so and so for like the next two months of our dating relationship, like there was like it was it was kind of tense because all of a sudden she came to this realization. Everybody around me knows this super important like plan for my future. Everyone around me knows this specific information about how my future is going to play out. And I don't know. And there's something about that that's just, ah, it's just it's unsettling, right? I think that oftentimes the will of God plays out in a very similar way where we understand theologically who our God is, right? We're like, well, God, I know that you're all knowing. God, I know that you're in control. God, I know that you have a plan. God, I know all these things about you. So I know that you have a plan for my life. You know my future. You know all these things. And I just want to know. Like, I just want to know what's next. I want to know about this relationship. I want to know about this job. I want to know about, like, where am I supposed to move to? What am I supposed to study, right? There's all these things that we just want to know, and so we can just kind of become obsessed with, man, what is the will of God for my life? And I think there are moments in time when, when God chooses to kind of hold back his plan a little bit and just allow us to kind of build faith in him and trust in him. 
But I also believe that, that we have a God who's accessible. That we serve a God who isn't trying to just kind of keep everything close to the chest. We have a God who, I mean, if we're willing to listen, is, is willing to reveal his will for our lives. We serve a God who is willing to, to speak to us if we're just willing to listen. So we've kind of been walking through how do you hear the voice of God. And last week Ben talked about uh, we are one of the ways that we hear the voice of God is just through meditating on his word. And there are these moments in time when, when as we read the word of God, sometimes the word of God reads us, right? Like, like you, you know, if you've ever kind of been like just walking through and all of a sudden like the words just jump off the page and you realize that the word of God is kind of reading you as you're reading it. And you can kind of get some clarity from the Lord as you read. And so um, we, we talked about that. And tonight we're going to talk about prayer. Tonight we're going we're, we're to talk about how prayer allows us to kind of hear God's voice and discern his will. But let me um, kind of clarify from the get-go um, that I think that oftentimes when we talk about prayer, uh, we talk about prayer in a, a kind of lopsided way. Um, because I think that oftentimes when we talk about prayer, we, we talk about kind of our role in prayer. We talk about, you know, how you talk to God and when you talk to God and why you talk to God. And so we kind of spend all this time learning about, all right, this is how I kind of bring my request to God. This is how I kind of praise God. This is how I kind of lay these kind of uh, worries and anxieties before him. And, and then we just kind of stop. And the reality is that, and that's, that that's good and right and true. And we need to understand all those things. But the reality is that um, this, is a, this is a conversation. Right? And that oftentimes we, we spend all this time talking about how do I uh, kind of talk to God without taking the time to stop and sit back and listen to what God says in response. And so tonight I want us to talk specifically about how do we, through prayer, through this kind of communing with God, how do we actually hear the voice of God? And so um, I'm going to also just warn you from the top that I think what we're going to talk about tonight might be one of the... Um, most challenging things to apply to our lives. I think actually doing what we're going to talk about tonight is, is incredibly challenging. And the reason is because we live in a culture that is unbelievably distracted. Like we live in the most distracted culture on the planet. Um, for instance, if you were to guess how many times someone touches their iPhone in a day, someone just like shout out how many times do you think that would be? 400 turn. A recent study just said that the average iPhone user touches their iPhone 2,617 times in a day. Now, here's what's crazy about that statistic. That's every iPhone user that, that there is. So that means like your grandma and grandpa are in that, that average. So when, when they zoom in to see millennials and Gen Z, that number almost doubles. Right? So somewhere between 2,000 and 4,000 times a day, we touch our iPhone. Right? I mean, we're, we're just constantly distracted. And the reality is oftentimes it's not really our fault, right? Um, if, if you want to just feel really cringy about how the world works, um, there's a TED Talk by a guy named Trist, Tristan Harris. We have a, this incredible title. It's called How a Handful of Tech Companies Control Billions of Minds Every Day. If that's not the most dystopian title in the world, I don't know what, what is. But what's fascinating about this talk is that he is a, um, a former design ethicist at Google, meaning that his job is to ethically design apps and technology and stuff like that. And what he says in this TED Talk 
is that there's this kind of hidden agenda between all the technology, all the apps that are coming out, and they're all trying to compete for our attention because people have realized that there's a lot of money in getting us to focus and pay attention, right? So he kind of talks about how, you know, YouTube um, realized that if they autoplay another video, you'll get sucked in, and the next thing, thing, thing you know, three hours later, you're watching a video. It's like, I don't even know how I got here, right? Because they've just created it to where, man, if, if we do these certain things, we'll suck them in like Snapchat, right? Created the, the uh, snap streak because they realized that if they, they could create this kind of reward system, then you will visit Snapchat every single day because who wants to break their snap streak, right? And so all of a sudden there's all these things that are just kind of competing for our attention, right? And it's working. It's working incredibly well. Um, in, in 2000, before the invention of the iPhone, um, our attention span averages about 12 seconds, which doesn't give us a lot to start with, right? Um, but since then, uh, a recent survey said that our attention span has dropped to eight seconds. For reference, the attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. <laughs> so goldfish are now beating us in attention span, right? And I say that not, not because I'm anti-tech or anything else. I, I say that because I want us to understand from the very beginning, the reality is that to actually hear the voice of God, to listen for the voice of God, it requires attention and focus. Something that we're just not really great at because we have this culture that's just competing for our attention and affections. And so what we're going to apply tonight is, is I think going to be really difficult. But I think that if we do, if we actually apply these things We'll be able to hear the voice of God in ways that we've never have in the past. And so the good news is that Jesus has actually given us a model of how to actually hear the voice of God. And what that means is that if you look at the Gospels, if you look at kind of the rhythms of how Christ lived his life, you find that, that he spent um, very intentional time when he wanted to hear the voice of God, that he would spend time sneaking off to what the scriptures called the Aramos. Everyone say Aramos. It's exotic, isn't it? Aramos, right? And here's what Aramos means. It is a Greek word that, that's often translated as will, wilderness, but it's oftentimes a desolate, a lonely, or a quiet place. And so all throughout scriptures, you'll see this, this, this kind of pattern in this rhythm of the life of Christ where he will sneak off to the Aramos, this kind of desolate place, this quiet place, this lonely place to sneak off and be alone with God. And so an example of this is in Mark, uh, Mark 1, a little backstory. Uh, Mark 1 kind of shows us uh, a, a typical day in the life of the ministry of Christ, right? It starts off, he's in uh, the synagogue on the Sabbath. He's teaching. Um, as he's teaching, this guy comes in with a demon. He, he casts it out in the middle of church. Like that's a memorable church service, right? And then he then goes to uh, Peter's uh, house and Peter's mother-in-law is sick. And so he has Jesus heal, heal her, which is a very gracious thing. I know a lot of guys, you'd be like, hey man, just step back a little bit. Like she's okay, um, right? But he, he allows them to heal her uh, mother-in-law. And then all of a sudden word begins to spread. And, and look what happens um, in verse 32. It says this, it says that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city gathered. The whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick and various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit them to speak because they knew him. All right, I want you to 
imagine this scene, right? Like word is out. Everyone knows, man, like something is going on. Jesus has the ability to heal the sick, to do these crazy things. And so the whole city just comes to the door of Peter's house, right? I mean, Jesus is now a rock star. There's no one more in demand than Jesus. But look what Jesus does immediately after all of this. It says, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. That's the word, Eremos. And there he prayed. Right? So first thing, like he is so in demand. Everyone's coming to him. Everyone wants him to heal them, to cast out demons, to do all these things. And the first thing that he, he does, he doesn't sleep in. He doesn't take time for himself. No, he gets up when it's early, when it's dark, before anybody else is up. And he sneaks off to a desolate place. And notice not just that he goes, but why he goes. He says that he goes to pray. Now, I think that is something just kind of, like, honestly, really easy for us to overlook because it's like, oh, yeah, cool, he got up and he prayed. But I think that's an incredibly important, specific detail to understand because he's not sneaking off to be alone because he's an introvert and he just needs some, like, space. He's not sneaking off to a, a, a desolate or quiet place because he just wants to take a self-care day, take a me day. Like, he's not doing that. No, he specifically goes off to the wilderness to find a quiet place to pray to commune with God, to hear the voice of God. And the question is, like, all right, why? Like, uh, like, out of all the places that he could have just prayed, like, he could have just prayed wherever, why did he intentionally go find a quiet place? Because there's something about when you sneak away, when you get away from all the distractions, all the demands on your time, all the demands on your schedule, and you get to be in the quiet, when you get to be in the stillness, there's something about that that just allows us to hear the voice of God with a clarity that we don't always get. There's a peace that takes over where we just get to just sit and listen and say, all right, God, speak to me. And for the first time in a long time for us, we get to hear the voice of God. Right? And I think this idea has been so lost in our culture because for us, silence is kind of awkward. Right? We don't really like the quiet. We don't really like the stillness. That's why we're always listening to something. There's always music playing. There's always a t TV on in the background. Right? There's always something going on in our lives because the, like, the stillness and the quiet, it's just it's uncomfortable. Right? Silence is deafening in our culture. So we're always trying to tune out silence. Right? But the reality is this is a practice that we need to rediscover. Um, thinker and theologian and writer um, Henry Nouwen Says, says this, honestly, pretty uh, straightforwardly. He says, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside time to be with God and listen to him. Right? I mean, he's saying, hey, straight up, you do not take the spiritual life seriously if you don't take time to sit and be alone in the quiet and listen to, listen for the voice of God. Right? But what Jesus does is not this kind of one-time one thing. It's not, man, my ministry's blowing up. i got to sneak off and figure out what's happening. No, this was a pattern of the life of Christ. I mean, he did this often, right? In fact, um, I love how Luke 5 says it. It uh, talks in another instance. It says, yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Right? He, he often withdrew. It was just a regular pattern of his life. It's just what he did. When he wanted to just commune with God, when he wanted to hear the voice of God and kind of process and say, God, what are you doing? God, help me understand what's next. God, what's your will for my life? He 
often withdrew to a lonely, quiet place to pray. In fact, I think something interesting is that it's this pattern that actually allowed uh, Judas to know where Jesus was so he could betray him. If you know the, uh, the story of the Last Supper, um, oftentimes kind of grew up thinking, all right, so like Judas is there and then he leaves and then he just somehow kind of magically finds him in the garden praying. Like how did he know where to find him? Well, it actually says um, in Luke, in Luke, uh, what's that next slide? Yeah, Luke 22, it says, and he came out and he went as was his custom to the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him. So in this scene where we see Christ go up on the Mount of Olives to pray and just say, God, um, will you take this cup from me? Right? It says that as it was his custom, right? He had this custom, this kind of, this kind of uh, pattern in his life, this rhythm in his life of saying, I'm going to just go and be alone with God in the quiet. Right? And so what I want to talk about tonight and, and, and really honestly get super specific about is how do we do that? How do we, in this kind of crazy, stressed out, busy, distracted culture where everyone's trying to commodify our attention, how do we actually get to a place where we can be alone in the quiet and hear the voice of God as we lay our cares before him? All right, so um, I want to give you four uh, just kind of really basic, like, Honestly, maybe like elementary sounding applications. Um, but I think the, uh, that if we're, we're honest, we don't really do this. Um, I, th- I think this is actually incredibly more uh, difficult than we even give it credit for. So um, let's get really practical. Uh, first thing I want to challenge you to do is this, is to identify a quiet place. To identify a quiet place. Um, I think one of the reasons why we don't spend more time in the quiet places is because we don't have a lot of places to go. Right? Um, between roommates and uh, work and friends and, and all these things, there's, it's very rare for us to just kind of find a place to just be still. Right? And so I think for us as believers, if we want to hear the voice of God, if we want to go sit before him and say, God, this is what I'm stressed about. God, this is what's weighing on my heart. God, will you just kind of reveal yourself to me? Will you speak to me? We have to kind of go intentionally find a place just to be quiet. Right? And so I don't know what that is you, but our job is to kind of figure out, you know, what, what is that? Right? So um, maybe that's waking up early and just taking a long walk by yourself or a long run, but you take the AirPods out, you turn off the pod, podcast, you turn off the um, whatever it is, and you just kind of sit and you walk, or you don't sit and walk, you can't do both, but you walk <laughs> in the silence. Right? You just silently walk and just say, all right, Lord, I'm here, I'm listening. And as you walk, you just hear the wind blowing through, through the trees. You hear the, the cars honk, you hear all these things, stuff that you might miss, and you just say, all right, Lord, I'm here, speak to me. Maybe that means uh, going to work before everybody else and finding 20 minutes at your desk or your cube to just kind of sit before the emails come in, before the phone, phone, phone calls start, and just sit there and say, all right, Lord, I'm here, i got 20 minutes, will you just speak to me? Maybe it's uh, getting up at 5 o'clock in the kitchen before your roommates are up and just finding, like, what's that time? Maybe it's uh, late at night. Um, for, for me, it's oftentimes in the car. Um, I have a 30-minute drive. And so w- some of the best times that I have is I'm just sitting in my car where I just turn everything off. And I watch the sunrise as I drive. And I just listen. I say, all right, God, I'm here for 30 minutes. Will you just speak to me? And there have been times when as I'm just driving in the stillness, God just speaks. He just impresses stuff on my spirit. He impresses stuff on me that I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I don't, I don't know if I would have gotten that if I would have been so distracted by uh, music or a podcast or something else, right? Like, so what are those things? Identify the quiet place so we can just kind of go and sit and be in 
the stillness. The second thing I want to, I want to challenge you with is this. It's not just identify, but prioritize the quiet place. Right? Prioritize the quiet place. Um, it's one thing to find it. It's another thing to prioritize it. Because the reality is in our culture, you will never stumble into the quiet place. Right? You will never just kind of haphazardly stumble in like, wow, I got 30 minutes of silence. That's crazy, right? No, like, that will never happen. There's always all these things that are kind of competing for our attention. So we have to be uh, very intentional about, man, how do we step into it and prioritize it, right? Um, and I think what's, what's interesting, too, is that when we look at Christ, there, there's this uh, unique story in Matthew 4, 14 um, where we see that the quiet place for Christ wasn't just like a thing that he did. It was like a priority, and he did everything he could to actually fight to, to like be there, right? So um, in, Mar- in Matthew 14, Jesus just gets news that his cousin, John the Baptist, has been beheaded. Um, that's a bad day. Like, that's heavy, heavy news. And so he hears that, and his immediate thought is, I'm going to go to the quiet place. And starting in verse 13, it says, says this. Now, when Jesus heard, heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place. So remember, he just got this horrible news that John the Baptist had died. He withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Um, that's important, right? So picture this, Jesus is probably just distraught, right? Like his cousin, like John the Baptist, this legend, he gets beheaded, right? And so all, and so all he wants to do is just go find a quiet place just to be with the Lord, commune, and say, God, help me process this. God, what's going on here? But these crowds hear about it, and so they all come rushing around. So he gets to the shore, he gets to this quiet place, and he sees this crowd, and, and, and they're just longing for him to heal their sick, and so he has compassion on them, and he begins to heal their sick. And what happens next is he goes on to perform one of the most famous miracles in his time where he feeds the 5,000, right? And oftentimes, if you read the story of him feeding the 5,000, we get that they're in some kind of remote location and there's not food around, so he has to kind of create food out of nothing. And so um, oftentimes, I've always thought, like, like why why was he teaching in a place where there was no food around? Like, why was he in such a remote place? Well, it's because he was initially going to pray. He was going to pray to be by himself in this crowd just gathered around him. And in this moment, he has compassion, and he begins to heal and teach and feed, right? But look what happens as soon as they, uh, as they depart. Skip down to verse 23. It says, and after he had d- dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. So after he had, d- he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on, on the mountain by himself to pray. So I want to point out what's happening is that he gets interrupted, which if I'm honest, like, like this brings me so much comfort, right? Because if you, have you ever like just sat out to like pray, spend time with the Lord, have a quiet, quiet time, and then just something pop, popped up, right? Like an email or a text or an emergency at the office or a giant crowd asking you to heal their sick, right? Just like kind of basic stuff that just kind of just gets in the way of talking to the Lord, right? Like oftentimes we have all these things that just interrupts life and like that's just life. And it's so comforting to me to know that like even Jesus got interrupted, right? He had this plan and he got interrupted. But the difference is when I get interrupted, I think, well, there goes my time to pray. And I just go about my day and I keep doing all these things. It's like, I guess tomorrow I'll find some time to pray. Tomorrow I'll make up for it. I'll double my time. I'll do something, right? I'll, like, I'll make up for it tomorrow. Right? But as soon as the crowds left, as soon as um, Jesus was by himself, he was like, all right, 
I'm going back up. I'm going to do the thing that I originally came to do. And he goes, because, why? Because it's a priority. He prioritizes the quiet place. And so for us, the question is, man, do we view that as a priority? Do we, do we long to, to be in the presence of God in such a way that even when we're interrupted, we have this, uh, this mindset to say, hey, um, man, life happens. Stuff gets in the way. That's totally cool. But, man, the minute that I have a chance, man, I'm going to go back to the quiet place and just sit and hear from God. Like, we have to prioritize it because um, we will never just happen to stumble upon um, the quiet place. Um, third is this. Um, or actually, let me back up a second. I, uh, I have this quote that, that I want to read that actually sums this up in a really beautiful way. Um, Pastor John Mark Comer writes this. He says that when we get over busy and life is hectic and people are vying for our time, the quiet place is the first thing to go rather than our first go-to. The first thing that we lose is unhurried time just to sit with God in the quiet, to pray, to read a psalm, to take an internal inventory, and to let our souls catch up to our bodies. I love the way he says that because he's right. It is oftentimes uh, the first thing to go, not our first go-to. But if we begin to prioritize, we come to a place where like Jesus, we constantly run back to it even in the midst of um, interruptions. Third is this, um, get rid of distractions. Once you kind of find what, what, what that place is, once you uh, prioritize that, um, and just get rid of anything that's going to distract you because if it can, it will, right? Um, when, when I go on dates with my wife, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the worst people watcher of all time. Um, and so if we're going to just like sit and like talk and hang out, and if I want to connect with her, I have like as dumb as this sounds, I have to sit in the chair that has like my back to pe people in my face against the wall, right? Like I can't see anybody w walk in um, because I'm just always like looking around like I'm just a curious person. And so all of a sudden I, I, I find that on dates where I can see people walking in, she's like, hey, where are you? I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry, right, right? But on the nights where I'm just like staring at her and I'm just looking at her and I can listen with my face, right? And I can sit and, and listen and give her my undivided attention and focus. It communicates to her that she's heard. It communicates to her that she's listened to, right? Why? Because I'm getting rid of all the distractions. And, and oftentimes what we need to do in order to actually connect with God, to hear his voice, to listen to what he's saying, we have to figure out, man, what are the things that are just going to distract me? So maybe that's turning your phone off. Maybe that's not playing uh, music. Maybe that's, um, I don't know, finding whatever it is that's going to distract you and just say, hey, for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, I'm going to just sit. I'm going to turn everything off, and my focus is going to be on God. Right? And you might start tweaking after three, right? Like, like you might just start like grasping for something to entertain you, right? But that's a good discipline for us to develop, right? That we just kind of get rid of everything and just sit and we focus on the Lord, right? The last thing I'll say is this. Start small. Start small. Here's what I mean. I think that Christians have this uh, tendency to think, all right, I'm going to overhaul my entire life. It's going to be awesome, right? And so don't go book like a 10-day silent meditation retreat at a monastery, right? Like that's just like kind of our like, I'm going to go big, like go big or go home. Um, like you will drive yourself crazy, right? Like, like, like start small. Right? Like, like if, if you find that, that you've never really taken time just to sit in the stillness and the quiet, take 10 minutes. 
Right? There's, there's, there's no right or wrong way. The goal is that we just find time. We create a rhythm in our lives to say, hey, I want to sit before the Lord. I want to just allow him to speak, and I just want to listen. Right? And if you have 10 minutes of time, great. If you have 20, great. If you have an hour, great. But start small. Don't, don't feel like you have to kind of have some kind of big, crazy, ambitious goal. And if you get three minutes in and you get distracted, great. Like, like, don't beat yourself up. Like, start small. And I think that what you'll find is that the more that you spend time in the quiet, the more that you long to be in the quiet place. The more that you just sit and you allow the quiet to do what God has designed it to do, when you hear the voice of God, it's going to be one of those things that you look forward to, that it's sweet, that you crave to just spend time sitting in the stillness. All right, so start small. As we close, let me finish by saying two, two things. First is this. Um, this is not a formula to get God to talk to you. Right? Let me just clarify that. Right? I think that oftentimes we so want to hear the voice of God. We long to hear what God's kind of plan for our life is. That oftentimes it's like, man, give me the step-by-step directions. Give me the formula. So I, if I turn my phone off, if I, if I turn my chair towards Jerusalem, if I like do this stuff, right? Like, man, like, you know, and I get all the things right, then God's going to speak to me. And then I'm going to get the answers that, that I crave. And then we're good, right? This is not a formula to get God to tell you things. This is a practice of spending time with the Lord, right? Just like last week, like, like, like meditating on the word of God. Like there might be times when you open the word of God and the word jumps off the page. And there's other times when it's like, I'm just reading Leviticus, right? And it's just what it is, right? You know, like there's, there's these, these, these times where, where we read and it jumps off the page and other times where it's like, I don't, I don't know what that was about. And that's fine, right? And so there might be times when you sit in the, st- in, in the stillness and you get nothing. And that's okay. Because what we're trying to do is just spend time in the presence of God. And the reality is if, the, if we understand the gravity of who our God is and what our God has done for us, if we understand that our sin has separated us from the God of the universe, that yet out of a love for us, he allowed his son to die in our place, then we should want to commune with him regardless. We should want to just spend time sitting at his feet and say, God, I'm here. What do you have for me? And even if that's just you, you just sit and you hear nothing. But hey, you know what? I'll be there tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow. What happens is the more we spend time, the more we begin to hear God speak. But it's not a for- formula uh, to just get God to do what we want him to do. So, so please don't treat it like that. My hope and my prayer is that we view it as something that we can just kind of come and sit before God um, and just find joy by sitting in his presence. Lastly, I want to say, say this. It's not lost on me. Um, that you might be in the room tonight and you hear this talk about finding like the quiet place or a desolate place or the wilderness. And you think, man, for me, the wilderness is not a place that I go. The wilderness is where I live. And right now where I am in life, like my whole world is a desolate place. My whole world is a lonely place. Maybe you are in a spot in life where it's job stuff or relationship stuff or there's, there's something going on in your life where you just feel like God has brought you out into the middle of nowhere. You are in a desert. And you're like, man, I don't have to go seek that place because that's where I live. And everything in me doesn't want to seek this place out. I want to get out of here as fast as I possibly can. I feel so alone. There's so much silence. The silence is deafening. I just want to get out of here. And if that's you, 
First of all, man, I'm so sorry. Again, that, 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 that's a hard place to be. That, that's a painful place to be. But second, if you find yourself where it just feels like the wilderness is where you live, then can I challenge you not to tune out the silence, but to press in? To press in and say, all right, God, you have me here. What, what are you trying to show me? Because the, the reality is that we serve a God who over and over and over has shown that he has a pattern of drawing his people into the wilderness, into desolate places specifically so he can speak to them. In fact, in Hosea 2.14, he says this. He says, therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her, meaning his people, into the wilderness, and I will speak tenderly to her. Right, and talking about his people, he says, hey, I want to speak to my people. So I'm going to draw them out into the middle of nowhere, to a quiet place, to a desolate place, to the wilderness. And in that place, I'm going to meet them there, and I'm going to speak to them. And, and I believe that God still functions like that. If you are in a place where, man, you just feel like you're just so alone and so in the middle of nowhere, and you don't know why, and press in, because I believe that God wants to meet you there, and I think that he wants to speak to you. So sit and say, God, I'm here. What do you have for me? Now, here's how I want to close t- tonight. Um, I think that it would be odd uh, for us to spend a lot of time talking about just sitting in stillness before the Lord and not uh, give you a chance to put that into practice. Um, so I'm going to invite the band back up here. And uh, we're going to do something that might honestly feel a little awkward. Um, we're going to spend about two minutes in silence. I'm going to pray, um, and then we're just going to sit, and we're going to be still. And it might feel like an eternity, and that's okay. Because I, I, I honestly believe that there are moments in time when what we need is just to stop and be still. And maybe that this is the first time in months that you've actually had a quiet moment to yourself. So what I want to challenge you to do is I mean, spend some time and just say, all right, Lord, I'm here. It's quiet. God, will you just speak to me? And process through, man, like what's going on in your heart? Like what's weighing on your heart? What's weighing on your soul? What is this kind of bringing you anxiety? What are you longing to know? And say, God, I'm here. God, will you just graciously speak to me? Will you meet me here tonight in the quiet, in the, st- in, in the stillness? And just ask the Lord to speak. So I'm going to pray. And then uh, when you guys feel ready, Mitch, y'all can go ahead and start up. But we're just going to spend some time in the quiet. Father, you are good. Father, I thank you that we have access to you. I thank you that that you don't leave us on our own. Even in our sin, you sent Christ to us, but you didn't just send Christ through his death and resurrection. You have given us access to you. Um, The veil has been torn, so to speak. And so, Father, um, I just ask that tonight, I, I know there are so many um, worries and fears and thoughts and anxieties and um, there's all kinds of things that are just happening. And God, we long for you to meet us here. God, we long to hear your voice. We long to discern your voice, what you have for us, for our lives. So God, in this moment, as we just stop and sit before you, God, will you speak to us? Will you reveal more of yourself to us? We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
We hope today's message was impactful and God used it to be part of the transforming work he wants to do in your life. Look, our desire is that this isn't just a resource you would listen to, but that this is really a community you would belong to. If you have any further questions, you just want to talk or need prayer, reach out to us. Our contact info is on the website, renovateftw.org, or connect with us on our social media, at RenovateFTW, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.